What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. G'day. Welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today, we are breaking down the premium defenders. They're the first guys you look at when you open up AFL Fantasy. So, which ones are the most important to select? Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Joined once again, 2024, Luke Rodderson. How are you, mate? Really good, mate. Really good. Ready to discuss defenders and uh, get stuck into things. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to actually finally start to... I mean, we talked a little bit about some specific players in the last couple of pods, but mm. we're going to be going deep dive into yep. you know, the players that we are looking at for our teams and starting to build them up because there's... To be honest, not a lot of time between now and the start of the season. This short, it's shorter kind of build-up period. There's literally two months until the first game uh, that matters for fantasy basketball, oh, for fantasy okay. AFL. Oh, he's lost. Um, I think it's good, but hey, I mean, we we tend to talk ourselves in circles, don't yeah, we? Like sometimes you, you just kind of end up overthink talking about the things. same stuff. I don't yeah. think things. So the the quicker the better, I reckon. Quicker the better. Let's get stuck into it. So we are talking about premium defenders now. Uh, the Definition of a premium that we're using today is someone who's more than 750k. Okay. Um, again, you, you can cut that line sort of any which way. That's just sort of where I thought would be reasonable for us to expect because yeah. if we're selecting these players, for the most part, we're hoping to have them in our team for the majority of the season. Uh, they may not be best six, but they are definitely in and around the top of the bunch. We're paying top dollar, mate. We want we want top points. Dollar. We want points. We want someone who's gonna you know get it done. So. We're going to go through some of these now. We've picked some that we are keen on, yep. but also wanted to make sure we touch on the most popular. So we're going to go through these guys basically in you know conjunction with their ownership percentage yep. and have a discussion on you know whether we think that that's good or maybe some counter-arguments maybe, maybe don't have these guys on your team. So why don't you kick us off with the first name on our list who is the most popular premium of any line in AFL Fantasy. Nick Dacos is a painful name to bring up too because, I, I mean, it went pear-shaped for us last year not owning him at the start. And it, it, to me, it, the fact that he's so highly owned, it defies a little bit of logic like it in does, terms of the fact me, that yeah. the popular strategy typically with AFL Fantasy now is, is to hunt the value. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the people getting on him have either just come in and clicked on the top guy or they think that he's got some upside. What do you reckon he can go this year? Well, here's the thing. If it was a normal season, I would very much think that him being your selected in your team is very justifiable because he averaged, so he's priced at this year at 108.7, so rounded up to 109. But he has an injury-affected game yep. in his average. The last game of the season, he went down with an early injury, got fingered. <laughs> um, and so if you take that that one game out, he averaged for the season uh, 112.5. 
And he had a little bit of a role change during the season as well. Mm. Like in the start of the season, he was more of that halfback kick-in guy. And then he moved more into the midfield as the season went on. And in games where he played 60% or more CBAs, he actually averaged nearly 114 points. So just based on where he's priced at, you've got maybe four or five points of upside based on those figures alone. Not to mention the fact that he's only going to the AFL in his third season. He's a gun. Mm. He He's in a good team. I understand that there's probably upside, even though he is, quote-unquote, you know, he's the most expensive defender. I do think that there's upside, and there's a realm of possibility that he's the highest averaging player come season's end. Oh, it's not It's not um, sort of out of the stretch of the imagination. The thing the thing with picking a guy like this is we know that we, know that we all have to own him by the end of the year. Yes. Full stop. He's uh, going to be a top six defender. Uh, yeah. So if you're picking him now, to me, then you're probably looking at something in the first sort of six games of the season going, oh, I really like that. I think yeah. that he can put some big points on the board. So, um, But I sort of, when I sort of went digging, I found a few things that like might even be to the contrary of that. So we know that he's got a round five by. Five, yeah. Round five. Round five by. But the other thing that I had a little bit of a look at was that he only, last year, he only went sub 100 five five times sorry against five teams Carlton was twice he went sub 100 against Carlton they're a hard matchup three of those teams that he plays he plays them in the first six rounds of the season yeah right as well as that bye so uh, I mean maybe not like looking too much into that but you know there's I I just I know I'm going to be proved wrong Uh, (laughs) this is the thing we're not here to say that he's not a gun like like, because I think you and I are both in the camp of I don't think you should pick him in your starting squad for fantasy like that's just my opinion I don't see a world where I'm going to start Nick Dacos in my AFL fantasy team like I I just know it's going to fucking kill me it's It's going to be good but like it's and and it's it's hard to sometimes remove yourself from what was last season and last season when we didn't have him in our sides we were throwing up at the end of Sunday every time because it was painful to watch because he put on big scores, but he put on big scores and he started the season price at 87 or whatever he was. Mm. So when he was averaging 110 for the first six, seven weeks, that's you know nearly 20, 25 points higher Massive. than what he was priced at. Everyone else had him because he was cheap and they got a leg up. But this time around, if he goes and starts averaging 110, well, he's like going up, he's two points above what he's priced at. So it's not actually going to hurt you quite as much you've saved the money by not picking him and hopefully used it more wisely in the rest of your team. So I do think it's important that we kind of separate him being as good as he was last year and thinking you just got to pick him because he was so good and he hurt me. And if I didn't have him or he was great because I did have him, yeah, it's a whole different year, whole different price point that you're starting to start this season. So I think it's important to separate that fact. It reminds me a little bit of like a Sam Doherty last year, how... For some reason, these defenders, and we know that uh, someone like a Dacos, chances are he's going to be a fair way away from the next best defender. Do yeah, you think you there's? That do you think that there's credibility in the argument that if he's ten points better than the next best defender, you just square that away, and and even if he's not quote unquote value, it's doesn't matter. It depends, I think, where you you might find that you can spend that money elsewhere. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So if you're thinking, I mean, I know it's tempting to to just look at the lines in isolation. But if you don't have Dacos in that line and you've got value in the defenders, well, where else can you spend that money yeah. potentially? Um, that would be the only thing I'd say. Mate, you're sounding like a smart AFL fantasy coach these days. Bloody uh, hell. Don't look at the lines in isolation. Great advice. Yes. I, def- that, I definitely agree. I, I think that like, and I hear it a lot and I see it a lot. And, and the argument never really holds weight because I don't care how much more he's scoring than the next best 
defender or person in the position. Yeah, if he's already priced that much better than them to start off with, you're not actually gaining an advantage if he's scoring. Like if I select last year, for example, and you know it worked out pretty well, but if I selected Jordan Dawson yeah. compared to a Sam Doherty, now even if Jordan Dawson went on to average 100, which is what he was priced at, and Doherty went over to average 110, I'm not 10 worse points better off than you because at the start of the season, I paid 10 points less. Yeah. So we're effectively equal. We're even. You spent the money elsewhere. Um, I spent the money elsewhere. So I think that if that's kind of a reason that you're using to pick him, I think I would consider other things. We're going to be eating humble pie. We hey, are going to... Look, I can gun. see people watching this video going, these bikes, fuck it. They got it wrong last year. They're going to get it wrong this year. <laughs> he's going to come out and go 130. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. So and look, I will eat my humble pie. Look, look at his fixture. He starts off with Sydney. So Sydney was one of the teams he went sub-100. That's a tough team for there defenders. St Kilda, he's going to have 150. Like, so, yeah, St Kilda, he went massive. Well, yep. happy to, to, to have that. Lions, I think he could do really well against them too. Like, Lions, they're not a tagging work. team yeah. or anything so like that. So 125 against the Lions, actually. So two out of his first three games, I think he's going to have a big score. Even the Swans, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 100+. plus. Yep. Round four. Hawthorne. Pain. <laughs> pain, pain, pain. Um... You have, now, to, you have to think. Miguel. You you were big last year in terms of not jumping at the tag shadow. That's a, that's a proven one. McGuinness that, that's, that's a different story for you then? I think so. I mean, Finn McGuinness? It, it took... We had to wait until round 21 to see it. We yes. saw it in the preseason and that was us. We jumped yeah, at shadows we, then, we jumped didn't we? Shadows, and so yeah. we missed all of the great scoring yeah. uh, beforehand. But then when we got to round 21, oh, we knew about it. Like, yeah. we saw it. Yes. He came out and, you know, he did get injured. Um, but it was already it happened. was it was bad looking beforehand, <laughs> like before we got injured. It was so so you go okay. Well, maybe he gets you plus one hundred for the first three rounds. They couldn't be big yep. rounds. He gets smashed in round four. Yeah, he has a buy in a round buy. five, and then who's he? He having? comes back against Port Adelaide, who's a, a red team on defenders and, and midfielders. Port Adelaide, he played twice last year, and he went sub one hundred one of those times. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I I think. There's there's a strong case for me to say fade him. Mm. Um, I am very surprised the fact that he is the most popular premium in all of AFL fantasy. I do wonder if that is just the fact that he's the best averaging defender. He's also a very iconic player and... You know, obviously, people love to watch him play, and they may be following your rules, mate. I don't know. Maybe this is your fault. I, I, should, uh, <laughs> I should pick him. I should probably pick him. Um, but at this stage, I think that he is definitely someone you can fade in AFL fantasy. It's a good start, mate. We spent ten minutes talking about a bloke that we don't want to pick. Let's so, go. <laughs> this All is right. two hours. Who is next? Oh, this guy deserves a bit of a soundbite here. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Hayden Young. <laughs> Let's go. Hayden Young, oh, who was our no. Nick Dacos answer last season. He is, uh, he's sawn up recently. He was down the list in terms of uh, team ownership percentage, but he is right up there. 28% of AFL <laughs> fantasy teams have the Fremantle Docker midfielder playing in their defense for fantasy. Are we ready to get hurt again? Look. Mate, I'm pitching a tent down here. The table's about to levitate <laughs> oh, because no. Hayden Young is a midfielder. That's, yes. I mean, if if you go on the Fremantle website, you watch the video of him post-training. He is training with the mids. He's talking about midfield stuff. He is a midfielder. So, obviously, at the back end of last year, we saw you know four or five games where Hayden Young played as a midfielder, and it was it was. Pretty good from what I saw. I mean, yeah. I don't, I'm not expecting him to now be like suddenly this 110, 115 guy, but he's priced at 89. I'm expecting him to be 100 guys in midfielder. Yeah. What are your thoughts? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, look, the, the comments sound promising. Like, they sound like this is going to be his new role. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just something that they just kind of threw down there at the end of last season. Uh, obviously, Fremantle didn't live up to their own expectations last year, so they're going to change something, right? Um, and Hayden Young. 
maybe as someone that can follow in the success of someone like a Jordan Dawson, who's like, you know, that clean left foot, good ball user. Um, He's the, a defender coming into the midfield, and we've had a few of those recently that pop. Yeah, and, and uh, I will always credit Selby, who was the person that I think about when this, like, defenders becoming midfielders is like a key success because they know how to find space to get marks. Yep. They're defensively minded. They love to tackle. And obviously, you know, they're good ball users, so teams want them to have the ball in their hands so their disposals can be high. So um, the thing that most impressed me at the end of last season was actually his tackle numbers. So he had five games, like he referenced. We went from we went from watching him play thinking this guy couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag yeah. to watching him and thinking this guy's tough as woodpecker lips. Like he it gave it a red hot crack. It was a swing, wasn't it? It was a massive swing. He averaged seven point four tackles per game in those five games. Fuck. Last season, only one player averaged more than seven point four tackles for the entire season. Who was it? Uh, I believe it was Rory Laird. Let me double check that one. Jeez, I'll, don't want to spit rubbish, no, but um, yeah, that's impressive. I, I think the, the the other thing that might be sort of worth kind of noting as well is how that impacts some of the other Fremantle players as well. Mm-hmm. It might not be something that we talk about in depth now, but I think it you know might be worthwhile thinking about who else goes through that midfield rotation. Even little tidbit from that interview with Hayden Young was that um, he was very... Um, he was actually very forthcoming with information. He said that um, yeah. Heath Chapman up into the midfield as well, whether that's midfield traditional where that's going out onto the wing, but that could be, you know, another guy to watch as well. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, well, just again, just to, do you think it's all sunshine and rainbows for Hayden Young? Like, can you think of a reason not to pick him um, if, he's in a midfield, if he's in the midfield? If he's in a midfield role, then I, I think, like, you'd have you'd almost have to fall over yourself to, to be that talented a player, yep. play in the midfield, and score average less than 100 points. That's just the way I see it. I, yeah. I think that he, of... All of the sort of premium price defenders that you can pick, I think that he potentially presents you know some of the most upside. Um, I, li- I lied before. There were several players that averaged over more than that, um, <laughs> but um, it's so good numbers. But Matt, Matt Rowe led the league in eight, with eight point three, so you yeah. know not that much more than him. Rory led eight. Tom Atkins seven point six, and Bontempelli seven point five. So four players. Okay, um, so his tackling ability in a small sample size, mind yeah. you, uh, was right up there. My only concern is because those tackle numbers are so high. And in that time, he averaged 97.8. Is that maybe something that if those tackle numbers regress back a little bit more to sort of middle of the pack, is he someone that has that high ceiling? Well, you're looking at a guy that at the start of 2023 was planning on being a defender. Yep. And then Fremantle was so shit that in round you know, 18, they've said, hey, can you go play midfield? He's now done full preseason as a midfielder. He knows he's going to be a midfielder. He knows, you know, all of the the Frio taps. He knows yep. where he needs to be positioned at stoppages. So I'd, I'd look at that and, and think, yeah, I, I see how that can be a little bit of a flag, but surely, you know, the glass half full side of that is that he's now a midfielder. Yeah, I, I do agree. I was just sort of posing the question. And the other thing I yeah. will bring to the, the, you know, everyone's remember, I remember that what he did last year, I think the first two or three games, he was in the midfield as a tagger. Like he yes. wasn't he wasn't there just, you know, see pill, get pill. He was doing a role um, yeah. as like a, you know, apprenticeship kind of thing. Then they kind of loosened that off a little bit towards, you know, I think the last two or three games. So it's a good little flag you bring up, but because in that interview that I was watching there there was um, a question about that and he said, I'll play my role for the team. So I think right. there there is still the possibility that they might say, Hey, go 
you know. But but at least but. we do have a reference point to say he can score well in that role. Like yeah. even if he is doing a bit of a job, yeah, like the tackle he, numbers were there. Um, I think he tagged Lockie Neal and got two Brownlow votes. Uh, am I? Yeah, that was his highest yeah. scoring game um, of the season. Actually, that game where he was tagging Lockie Neal, he had ten tackles that game. So he can score in a tagging role, and dare say I think. You know, if he is getting more disposals in a non-tagging role, I think that could also uh, be a good thing. So I think he's a very strong pick, despite the pain that he caused us last year. And I've always said it wasn't Hayden Young that was sickening to watch; it was his bloody teammate Luke Ryan uh, um, <laughs> steal the kickouts and, and just people not giving him the ball because I still maintain I think he's a great player. <laughs> But oh, we are, we're, we're not heading young again. 20 minutes, two players. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Next one we're talking about. I'm going to combine. I'm going to break the script here. I'm going to combine two players from the same team in this next one. Okay. Jack Sinclair, yep. who was the next highest in terms of ownership percentage, and Nazaya Wanganin-Miller. Do you think that we are looking at either of these players, one of these players, or both of these players? I, I, from where I sit, it, it's both of these players. The thing that I obviously like about Jack Sinclair is the way that he finished the year. And I think anyone who owned him you know, from his buy last year was very happy with his performance. Oh, yeah. the, the only sort of caveat that you put on that is you go, well, if he comes out and repeats that this coming year, shit start, good finish, yeah, it's and you pick him pick. as a starter, yeah. it's a horrible pick. Yeah. So... We're, we're picking him based on the fact that we think he's going to continue, um, you know, the stuff that he did in the back half of the season. Yeah. So he, he was flirting with a midfield role at points during the season. Yeah, his role was a bit all over the place. Like, it wasn't it was. something that um, you can really, I mean, at least from what I've researched, you might tell me something different, but at least from what I researched, it wasn't like he had a period here where he was in the midfield and then a period where he was defence. It was a bit like week to week. It was, you couldn't really know what to expect from him. It was a little all over the shop, but I noticed that the last few weeks of the season, he kind of settled into a, a no CBA yeah. role. So, and that coincided with, you know, pretty good scoring. Until um, until the finals, like round twenty five, which I think was their only finals game where they versed the Giants, he was sixty two percent. So mm, do we do we wait that more because it's a finals game, or like what does that tell us? Oh, I don't think I'd read into that too much. I I can't think of the game off the top of my head, but you know there could be a few different factors. I'd be looking at the the big chunk of data. Yeah, I, I, I the, tend to agree with you, and I do think I don't know. He probably and, and they've also gone out and recruited players like. Paddy Dow. Um, oh, well, he's not getting a midfield role at Dow's there. <laughs> they've got Dow Jones. Have you heard that? No. Who? Paddy Dow, Zach Jones. Oh, yeah. And they've they got, got Z- Stocker in the back line. They They're do. a bloody financially smart team, aren't they? Dow Jones <laughs> and Stocker. Fucking hell. Yes, they are. They're very financially savvy. But no, they do have other roles or other bodies I think they can put mm. in there that means that Sinclair can be a bit more of that halfback running sort of type. Does, this, does that sort of dissuade you from picking him and Azai Wanganil thinking they'll steal points off each other? So you're, yeah, you're sort of saying. Um, I think there's some points to go around back there, to be honest. And, and Jack Sinclair is um, kind of does a little bit of what he wants off that half-back yeah. line too. Like Wanganil Miller, I, I, you'd have to check the stats, but I feel like he plays a little bit deeper, takes the kick out. like yes. a bit of bounce off. The, and then, He's a bit more of that Tom Stewart, Luke Ryan kind of guy, whereas... Jack Sinclair, Jack Sinclair up a bit more, the back of the stop. Yeah, he's a bit like, more dockety kind of style. That's just a feel like it. I don't have any stats to back that up, but I, I don't suspect that you know we're going to look at one 
um, guy that's just smashing it with the score and the other guys really it's to his detriment so um, at the moment they're both both sitting in the Oxongs mate so they're both sitting at Mitchman as well um, just to support your you know hypothesis here post buys um, Sinclair averaged 107.3 and he's priced at 102 so went um, what did the average pre-buy 96 so saw an 11 point jump after the buy Nazai Wenganin Mirala also saw an increase. He went up to 98 post buy, and he is also priced at 91. So both have value, and both increase their scoring in the back half of the season, mm. which suggests to me that they can coexist when they both increase at the same time of the year, playing more so off the halfback. So um, I do think there's room to have both. I think are we safe in saying the Saints game style is going to be pretty similar this year because second year. Uh, different coach, he's not going to change anything dramatic. Yeah, I can't see, I can't see him throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, like they didn't play bad football, and they started the year quite well from memory. But that's the thing; they started the year quite well, and that's when these guys when had these guys their were worse of scores. Yeah, I, I just, I don't see it changing drastically. Yeah, I, th- I think put it that way. And again, another one: they don't have early buys, so you've got them all the way through to round. Where are they at? Round fifteen. So they got the very last buy. You're gonna get fourteen rounds in a row with these Saints boys. And also, they have a really good run, actually, to start the season. Um, know what you would call red teams in the first six weeks. So I do think that is also important to note. Let's move on to the next guy who is another popular player. He was a very popular player last year. Well, maybe not by the end of the season, by the time he amount of time he screwed people over. <laughs> the sick dog, James hey. Sicily. He is in 20, I want to say 20... 3% of fantasy teams at the moment, $943,000. What are we doing with Sicily? If I wanted to ride a roller coaster, I'd go to a theme park. <laughs> we live in Queensland. I just shoot down the road. I go to fucking Dreamworld. Yep. But I, I don't want to ride a roller coaster. <laughs> Suspensions, floor games. Yep. I mean, there's it, highs. Roll changes. Roll changes. There, yeah, certainly there, there are highs. You've spoken like a true yeah. fucking drug addict or something. <laughs> <laughs> there's come downs as well. Oh, there's come downs. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, I want to get my points. Nice, uh, just just a little nice bit more level. more relaxing. <laughs> yeah, start of the season. Let's just ease into it. We expect Hawthorne to be better this year. Though. We both we both tip them I, to improve. You would hope so. Um, like just being the young side that they are and obviously. So less pill down there for him. Yeah, and and I think the biggest thing that leads to my expectation of them being better and this hurting Sicily is the amount of marks that he had. He yeah. averaged, I think, well, I had this stat somewhere. <laughs> it was Wax City down there Ridiculous sometimes, amount of marks. So he averaged 9.95 marks per game. Only one player in the last 11 years has ever averaged more than nine marks per game, and he nearly averaged 10. So he's by far the most amount of marks per game in the last 11 years, and the person that did that anywhere close to that over nine was Sam Doherty in 2017 when the Blues were pretty shit. Um, How about this little patch for him, but 125, 165, is that a suspension? I think there's a buy in there. A buy, 130. Suspension, 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 suspension. Oh, no, I think it, it might that? have been a suspension. I can't remember now. Uh, but <laughs> Did he get yeah. suspended twice or was it just once? Oh, no, he got suspended twice. Oh, yeah. well, that must one be. for one game and one for two or three, I think. <laughs> That's a roller coaster. Yeah. But there's there's no denying there's a massive ceiling massive there. Massive ceiling. That massive could be, ceiling. yeah, fuck. Against um, the right team, a captaincy on him could fucking propel you where you yes. want to go. Yes, but I think uh, I think we're both in agreement that it's he just has us. he has to come down as Hawthorne get better. Like, especially the start so. of the season where teams are hopeful. You know, it's like 
Tipped, we can we can do better this year. We can win. That's gonna be us. With Let's Richard. stop chipping yeah. around to Sicily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going there, but yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's just mine. Next, uh, next player. I know you want to have a, a bit to say about this guy, Harry Sheasel, the uh, the rookie sensation from oh. last year. Did he did he win the Rising Star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah, yeah. Rising Star, Harry Sheasel. Premium defender in his first season. Um, legend. Yeah. Well, what are we doing with Harry Sheasel? No early buy? No early buy. The, the thing is maybe it's like a little mental shift you have to make here, but if you're picking him this year, you're picking him as premium. Yeah, it's, and it's a similar kind of thing to, to Dacos, what we talked about. Yeah. He's priced much the, differently, obviously. The way he's priced now, you're, you're picking him in the anticipation that you have him for the rest of the year, that he's top yeah. six forward. The, the thing that I think maybe people have in the back of their mind is this comparison to Dacos. Obviously, yeah. so Dacos burst onto the scene in his first season average, something like 88, and then Sheasel's come out, he's averaged 97 in his first season. better. Better. Is he better than Dacos? Better than Dacos. And then Dacos takes it to 108 or whatever it was yeah. this season. Why can't Sheasel do the same thing? Well, that's what I mean. Is that what everyone's thinking in their mind? Oh, I think there is a level of that. Um, Dacos is a better player than Sheasel. I'd have to say so. That's- and he's in a better team. Yeah. Like, completely different, night and day in terms of, like, the, the team and their ability to get Sheasel involved. Yeah, and the fact that the fact that, that whole Collingwood system for a, a strong portion of the year was literally designed about getting Dacos that ball oh, half back. 100%. That contributed to the scoring. The thing that, the little flags that pop up for me with Sheasel are that there's probably some talk of him getting some more midfield time, mm-hmm. potentially a little bit of small forward time. Which normally, well, well, I don't like, not the forward time, but normally the more midfield time is like, hey, celebration, but I don't know if that's the case with Sheasel. That's the thing with that, that juicy half back roll is just so uncontested. You can just wax, you get marks, you yep. get kicks galore. You go into the midfield, some fucking 28-year-old 100 game is going to come put their fucking yeah. elbow in your chest and say, not today, young fella. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... I think, yes, the tackles would increase if he went in there, but those uncontested marks. They'd dry up completely. Um, yeah, look, I am not against picking him. I think compared to some of the other guys which we have said no to in Sicily and Dacos. I'd pick him before. I'd pick him before those two. Yeah. Um, because I do think the fact that he is 19, I really rate him as a player. I think he's very, very good. Um, I can see an argument that if... For whatever reason, he still has the role that he had last season. Like we get a look at him in the preseason, it looks very similar role. I can see the fact that he's young; he doesn't have a pre, an early buy. Sure, I can see that. There's a bit of value bait in there because he had some low scores when he wasn't playing that role. Yeah, but I would always be a little bit nervous that on any given day, any given week, North throw the magnets around. They're not by any means competing for a premiership just yet, yep. so they are still tinkering. That it. It could change on you very quickly. Where do we expect Fisher and McKercher to play as well? Well, I not to you know spoil our mid price or forwards Sorry. episode, which is coming in a few weeks. But I think I think Fisher's been recruited to get into that you know half back role uh, based on what he did in the VFL and at the end of last season for Carlton. So so that and as, yeah, and McKercher's already had you know a bit of speculation that he might do the, the yeah. Sheasel thing this why, year. So. Yeah, why not Sheasel graduates to the midfield, McKercher? <laughs> And he said before, like there's, there's, I think multiple interviews of him mm. saying that's where he wants to be. Like he wants yeah. to be a, 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 you know, that midfield forward of stoppage affecting yeah. the game. And, and he'll still be a fucking gun in there. Oh, it'd be there's great no, for the team. No and um, if you've got other people that can fulfil for all he did, then the overall team will be better. So, 
He's a good player. The last thing I'll say is that if you're picking him, you're picking him as a premium. And of all the... I think I've got my stats right here. I'm no bloody Papowski, but <laughs> I did a little bit of digging. And of all the players across the league that are the top three averaging players at their respective team, mm. there was only two players that fell into that category that went below 65 more than three times last year. Yep. And it was Sheasel and Dan Houston. And yeah, there was we, only one other player that went three times. So anyone else that averages top three in their respective very team. Very rare for them to be below 65. Very, very rare for them to even be yeah. below 80. And yeah. he's done that, you know, three times. They are, and looking at those games, maybe there's, you know, yeah. role change or whatever. But but that's not out of the possibility with, with a player like Sheasel and at a club like... That's Northern not Melbourne. a floor you want from a premium. No, it absolutely not. And especially if you get one of those low scores early in the season, it's it's catastrophic because everyone else is going to jump on him later. They're going to get him cheaper. It's and built into it's, his price. It's built into his price. Isn't? So, yeah, I, I'm on the... I'm more optimistic with him, but I, at the moment, he's not someone in my team. He's still someone I'm watching, but less than... Uh, optimistic compared to him and other guys. Let's talk about another guy on the other end of the spectrum in terms of age profile, uh, <laughs> Tommy Stewart, who always seems to have some kind of reason why he doesn't quite reach the 100 average that he usually <laughs> actually goes at. Um, but another player, a lot of these defenders in the premium department, which we're talking about today, don't have the early buys. So Tom Stewart is one of those again. And um, he's had ceiling games. There's some talk about him more midfield time. He went into the midfield for like two or three games last year, yeah. which is quite random in my opinion. But what, what are we thinking with Tom Stewart and his potential value for our defense lines? When I look at this one, I just can't see what changes for me. I, I know he has the 14 baked into his price. When we, we thought in round one, he was done for the year, the way, the way that all Yeah, he came back pretty quick, hey? He did. He only missed one game. So, I mean, there, potentially there's some value there if you kind of, that 14's in the average, but I, I just don't look at it and see what changes about that system. I don't see what changes necessarily about mm. his role. I, I don't know why Geelong would suddenly give him this midfield role at how old is he now? Uh, that's a good question. I have it here. He is 30. Oh, cross him you know off what, the list, You know what that mate. means. <laughs> Chopped. Chopped. So, and, and they've got some, you know, decent young talent, I think, coming through that they might want to blood into their midfielder. So I just don't see what changes. And for me, that probably means just another kind of just sub-100 season. So he's priced at 96. Yeah. If you eliminate that injured game, he would have averaged 100. Point two, so just over 100. Yep. So there's about four points of value baked in there, yeah. which is not much. But at the top of the line, it's it's something. Compare him to someone that we said we were okay on in a Jack Sinclair, yep. who's 29. So you know, it's not that much of an age difference. Um, he's priced at 102. So you get him for six points cheaper. Do we... And like I wouldn't argue that Jack Sinclair is someone who's super underpriced. Mm. Like, is there an argument to, if you're picking a, a D1... Tom Stewart over Jack Sinclair. Instead of Sinclair, yeah, I mean, I think I think there is. Um, for me, Sinclair, it's just a feeling that he he fits in a slightly different category. I think he is right at the moment. I mean, he's won two straight BNFs and St Kilda. He's the absolute focal point of their defensive through midfield transition. Yep, I just don't see that with Stewart and. I was going to say that maybe Sinclair has the higher ceiling, but Stewart can pop off. But I think a more consistent high ceiling. I, I, I do feel sense. as though Tom Stewart needs the game script to work in his favour for him to pop off. Like he, he needs yeah. to be like on the field at the time where they are maybe waxing at the end of a quarter or something like that. Whereas There's a bit of that, isn't I feel it? like Sinclair goes and gets his. Do you know what I mean? A little bit more so, but that. 
that's totally eye test related. Let me just, last point on Tom Stewart, just to yep. maybe get you thinking a bit more. Look at his fixture coming up. First Ooh, round, first one. week, St. Kilda. Okay. Uh, Adelaide, which is a tough matchup for defenders, but then he goes against Hawthorne. Does he get a Finn McGuinness tag or do I mean, they he, go he has somewhere been else? A, a tag, tag target previously, hasn't he? He has. Uh, Western mm. Bulldogs, which we know is a great matchup for defenders. North Melbourne and then the Brisbane Lions. So I would say that St. Kilda, Bulldogs, and North are all good matchups. Whereas Adelaide is a bad one, Brisbane's a neutral, and I'd say Hawthorne could be a really bad one, could be a solid one, depending yeah. on if he gets tagged or not. So, yeah, it's an interesting run. Yeah, some good points there, Devil's Advocate, I reckon. Yeah, I'd be I'd, interested to see what, what people have to um, say in the comments. As yeah, well. let us know what you, what you think mm. about Tom Stewart, because he's on my list like as a, as a D1 with a, just a little bit of upside, but just, again, a dependable top six option, which I think he will be uh, come season's end. And I want to throw at least one more, and we'll, we'll see how we go with time after talking about this guy. But I don't know if you're as keen about this guy as I am, but um, one of the few players that has the pre or the early buy that we're going to talk about today is Lockie Whitfield, who is um, he's got the round three buy, does GWS. He is priced at, I want to say, where is he? I'll bring my thing back up. He is priced at 90. 4.7, so 95, 855,000. He also had an early injury in round one. I think he was concussed from memory um, in that game uh, in the heat in uh, Sydney. So after that, if you take that away, he averaged, um, what did he average? 98 if you remove the injured score. And he also got better as the season went on. Averaged 101 in games where Himmelberg, Cumming and Ash all played in the, in the back line. So, and that coincided with the Giants also having a really good run leading up to the finals and they started to mesh and play a lot better. What are your thoughts on Lockie Whitfield as someone, as a, a bit of a unique option as opposed to someone like a Sinclair or a Stewart as your D1 option? Well, if you, if you pick him to start, like you said, he's got a round three bye. Yep. I also don't expect him to play a full season. Yeah, that is the, that is the, the Lockie Whitfield way. <laughs> he's uh, not renowned for his durability. But the, um, North, the North Melbourne... played 21 games last year. The North Melbourne West Coast 1-2 punch in round one and two is... That's just tantalising, isn't it's it? juicy, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Why couldn't a team that doesn't have the bye... Oh, no, give, give that to bloody, you know, I don't know, Geelong or something like that. But yeah, North Melbourne West Coast mm. first one, and then he comes back and he plays Gold Coast and St Kilda after that. So oh. think about Dimmer and what he's given up to defenders in the yeah, past, and then and St, St. Kilda, Kilda. They for, were the bunny for team defenders. For defense, so four... You know, first five rounds, he's got four really good matchups. <laughs> Sucks that he has that buy in the middle there. But so, is, you, so you reckon there's a scenario where you might just say fuck it and you just cop the buy? I mean, maybe. Like if, if for example, I'm running a, a defender line where there's no other guys, so maybe what about in Zach opening round, like Zach Williams comes out and flops, or you know, okay. isn't isn't there around two, or Kidding Coleman, and he doesn't look up to snuff or something like that, and these guys yeah. that are popular early buy options maybe aren't in my team and I just have the one player, I think it's it's a legit you something to consider. Um, I, put it this way. I'd much rather Whitfield than Dacos as okay. like a premium that could option. Be, that could be a contentious take. Um, and I'm sure it is. Based on the ownership percentage, he's like 3% owned versus 55% for Dacos. But I just think at the end of the day, he's a hell of a lot cheaper. His run is incredible. It is a good um, And you don't really... Think of him as a tag target moving forward. Um, you know, people have tagged Tom Green, tagged Josh Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas that used to sometimes go to someone like a Lockie Whitfield. I don't think that's the threat anymore. 
Um, I think there's yeah. some merit to it. He, he, he's got a ceiling as well, I'll tell you that. But yeah, the durability is always a bit of a concern. Uh, so that will do with the must-discuss uh, players. Is there anyone else that you wanted to... We had a few other names. I'll maybe throw them out there. And if there's anyone that tickles your fancy you want to touch on, um, Nick Newman, Liam Duggan, and I've also thrown in Angus Brayshaw into the mix as maybe a potential option. Any of those three really... Sort of catch your eye. Well, Nick Newman popped at the end of last season, didn't he? And everyone scrambled to get on. He did. What do you know? What was different? Like, why did he pop? Because I, I wasn't I'm watching Carlton struggling to. Enough. I, I mean, I think I it coincided with Doherty moving up the field. It could well have been. I don't want to speculate because I really don't know. But I'm sure there'd be someone out there that could maybe give us some more insight yeah, into that. Carlton it, fans, drop it in the YouTube comments. The fact, the fact is, he's he's now very expensive. Do we see there yes. being potential? You know, points of upside there. What's he priced at? Uh, so he is priced at a 98. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did go 106 after the buys, which is a fair sample size. Is as there well. a guarantee he comes out and just is back in that role? Because then it's kind of like he he falls into that bracket around the Sinclair, the Stewart that we were kind of talking yeah. about. So is he a better pick if he's locked into that juicy, juicy role that he had? <sighs> Maybe. He's got the round two by. So that's a bit stinky, isn't it? Yeah. And I, f- I tend to lean more to, if I'm going to do someone who's early by, I, I still lean to the Whitfield just because of the run. Yeah. Um, he is cheaper. So you, for, so he's in the middle between a Sinclair and a, a Whitfield. Sinclair you know, doesn't have the early buy, so that's yeah. a tick in his favour. Yeah. Whereas the cheapness of a Whitfield, the run of Whitfield is kind of a tick in his He's kind of just neither here nor there. A little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the numbers and the back end of the season all suggest that he is value, but there's something preventing me from saying that I can count on it. Maybe it's the fact that he is 31. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's my age is coming out. I just, I, I oh, can't man. really identify a clear, concise, this is what is different for him and this yeah. is why he's going to be a 106 averaging player for this season and I can just lock that in. I, I don't know if I feel like that. Yeah, and I, I probably fall a little bit into that category as well. So many good discussion points from this one. I'm really intrigued to see what everyone else out there has to say as well because um, yeah. we're just here talking shit. We, talking shit like we do. We, we don't fucking know our ass from our elbow. Yeah. We Couldn't go back know. to Angus Brayshaw? No. Nah. I'm not going Liam Me- Duggan. Melbourne seems like a stay away at the moment, but... Who's Liam Duggan? Liam Duggan. Don't want to know about him. <laughs> Who's she? Who's she? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's some, there's some lots of really good discussion points for the defender line. I think there's some great options that, you know, you could twist my arm a few different ways. I think at the moment I'm really liking Hayden Young. I'm really liking <laughs> Nazaya Wangani, Miller oh. as premium options. Whether or not you rock two primo defenders or if you want to go a third and get one of those more expensive guys. That's maybe a discussion for another day in terms of structure. But let us know down in the comments section below. Who, who's your D1 right now? Is it Dacos? Have we convinced you to, to change that? Or do you think that we are a bunch of idiots? This is <laughs> fraught with danger. We are, I'm telling you, get the humble pie ready. Lots of time for us to change our minds and lots of time for us to keep talking about lots of other fantasy. Next podcast, we're going to be going through all the mid-prices in the defensive line. And later in the week, we're going to be doing a bit of a defender ranking video. You know, a bit of draft, but also some fantasy classic relevance there. So stay tuned for that. If you like this video, big, big thumbs up on the YouTube and make sure you subscribe over on podcasts and on YouTube. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.